0: Welcome to Ryan Rants and Raves, a podcast series by the Quebec Government Office in New York. Bienvenue à Ryan Rants and Raves, une série de podcasts par le gouvernement du Québec à New York. Today is the day before the election, so I am pleased to be talking shop with Josh Peskowitz, who is big insider in the menswear industry and who I think is a testament as well to the community that the menswear has. Josh, thanks for taking the time to chat with me. It's
1: my pleasure, Ryan. My pleasure.
0: And did I miss anything in introducing you,
1: Josh? I mean, I'll, I'll take any and all introductions. Uh, <laughs> I've I'm never, I'm never, I've never wanted to really quibble about that. Um, okay, good. As long as people want to talk to me, I'm happy for them to call me whatever they want. As long as they call.
0: As long as they call, good. And I guess to start, you know, you've been—I've read that you've been in the industry since you were 16. So, how did you find yourself in the industry?
1: I wanted a pair of Polo Sport sweatpants that cost, I think they were $98.99, which I could not afford. And so I asked for a job at the store that was selling them, as opposed to trying to steal them, as most of my friends (laughs) did. So at that point, uh, they did give me a job at that store. Uh, It was called Up Against the Wall. It was in Washington, D.C. And... Yeah. You know, I got those sweatpants on my 40% discount and I honestly haven't really looked back since. And that was at 16. So by the time I went, you know, by the time I started college, studied fashion merchandising and haven't really looked back since.
0: I hope they have a special place in your heart for you, given the fact they were that They double that...
1: extra large, which I really didn't need at the time, although that was the style uh, back in the nineties. And thankfully I still don't need a double extra large, but if they were extra large, I'd be, I'd be rocking them right now. I'll tell you that.
0: Yeah. But just continue about you know your career. Is there a job that taught you the most? And why would that be?
1: I wouldn't say that there's one job that's taught me the most. I, I've been lucky in my career. You know, I've had to move around quite a bit because I've been working in industries that have been in flux. But I, I've gotten an opportunity to work for a lot of really incredible people, work for and work with a lot of really incredible people throughout my career. And I've never really taken a job that I hundred percent knew how to do. If that makes any yeah. sense, yeah. Uh, you know, because uh, like, why, why, why do anything but challenge yourself, right? So, uh, over the course of my over the course of my career in media, I, you know, I got to work with some people that that just taught me, uh, you know, just an enormous amount. Because I started out at, at an independent music magazine, music and yep. culture magazine called The Fader, um, which is still around, but at at that time, in the early 2000s, 2001, two, three and four was when I was working there, it was really part of the conversation about downtown culture. It was really part of, like sort of the zeitgeist when it came to what was going on in music and culture. And so you know I met a lot of people through that. But it, it, ultimately it was a really small magazine. You know, the cir- circulation was 90,000, something like that. So my next really big job was working um, for Bruce Pask, who's now the fashion director of yeah. Goodman but I worked for him at a, at a Condé Nast publication called Cargo. And, you know, that was where I really learned time management, you know, how to, how to kind of like scour the entire market to find the right pieces and, and, you know, the right things at the appropriate price points and all of those things that a market editor does that I hadn't really had to do with the fader. And, and so, you know, working for Bruce, it was, it was, it was an extremely difficult magazine to work at because of the output that we had to do. I mean, most magazines have, 30 maybe 40 pages of fashion content per issue and and cargo was like closer to 150 and it was because it sort of acted as the internet before the internet right it was like a big catalog of of stuff on different subject matters and and so you know working for Bruce was was really formative for me and then you know when I left there I went to go work for Nick Sullivan at Esquire who's the creative director now at the time he was the fashion director and I really learned a lot more about tailored clothing a lot more about how to style a shoot, how to, how to manage a photo shoot working for him. And I was really hands-on while we were launching uh, what became known as Esquire's Big Black Book. When my time there was over, I went to go work at style.com and I really got I really got a better understanding of the digital landscape and how that works. And I also started traveling to Europe and I would go to fashion shows and review them with Not at the same time, but, you know, we were split it up between myself and Tim Blanks, who's the critic at large for business of fashion now. And to many people don't know his name. He's a living legend in our business. And, and, uh, you know, I'm lucky to call him a dear, dear friend of mine to this day. So, you know, getting these opportunities and then, you know, going into retail. You know, I worked for a guy named Kevin Harder and a guy named David Fisher when I was the fashion director of Bloomingdale's. And, you know, they really taught me a lot more about retail, which I took into opening my own store. So these are sort of the formative moments in my career. Right. Like I've had other jobs and worked with other great people. But, you know, I'd say that those kind of four relationships that I had with those gentlemen really kind of helped me figure out who I was. Uh, and, And that was super important.
0: When I think what it shows is it it was a three sixty because you have the editorial experience, you have going to the market experience, and then you have the retail experience, which you know not that many people have that insight. And even at fader it seems that you you know, you were wearing several hats because it was smaller. so that makes you have to adapt even further. Oh,
1: yeah. we had six people putting out that magazine at the time. And listen, you know, it was so much fun. We had no budget, but we got to work with some incredible photographers. We had an art director when I had two, Eddie Brennan was the first one. And the second one's name was Phil Bicker, who, you know, just Phil Bicker in, in particular was just extremely influential on me. And, you know, some of the editors that I went on through that I worked with there have gone on to do huge things. Some of them have television shows. One of them's the editor in chief of another magazine now, you know, started record labels, all kinds of things, you know, and that, it was really a hotbed of talent. And, yeah, you're right. Like I said, I've never taken a job where I knew what I needed, where I 100% knew what I, what I was doing. And I've also no. never taken a job where I only was required to do one thing. And, and, it, and it really started back there at the FEDO. You know, wearing more hats and juggling things is always the best way to learn, I think.
0: You know, I think this is a good segue, you know, just to chat about, you know, just the menswear industry in general, you know, but what you like about working in the menswear industry? You mentioned all these great names, um, but is there something you enjoy about the community?
1: I think you hit it on the head, Brian, when you say it's a community. The menswear community, be it the designers, the wholesalers, the buyers, the retailers, the editors, the bloggers, just the enthusiasts out there, I've gotten a chance to really see it grow over the years that I've been involved. And the level of interest and the intelligence of the conversation has only increased over, a period, over that period of time. And... The one thing that I'll say about it is, is that we always look out for each other. I can't tell you how many people out there that have the jobs that they have now, you know, i worked with at some point, you know, or shared a car with or shared a meal with. Uh, and, you know, sometimes some people say to me, like, how do you know so many people? It's just like, well, you know, you're in it for long enough. Like, it's such a small community, really, at the end of the day, especially compared to women's wear but the people that you forge relationships with are are based on like a real mutual respect, right. Instead of it being like, what's advantageous at one time or another. Yeah. So we always look out for each other and and that's the thing, you know, like I can't tell you how many favors I've done for people and how many favors have been done for me over the years. And it's been, and it could be from a competitor, you know, a direct competitor can do me a solid and I've done it for them. And that's always, that's always been the mentality here, you know, be a stand up guy, you know, your reputation precedes you don't burn bridges, don't be an asshole, you know? And that's, really, <laughs> that's, and that's really, uh, that's really like the credo in menswear. And like, if you're an asshole, like people are going to find out pretty quick. And it's a,
0: it's a sm- everyone knows one another, you know, by some degree. And, you know, like you mentioned, it's really just about the respect that everyone has for one another and just in how I met just how I met you with Masako chasing you down uh, from United Arrows. And Ooh, yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, cause she didn't, she didn't have to do with that. It didn't gain, it didn't, gain any value for her. But, um, you know, the fact that she just wanted to help someone else out. And I think that speaks to her example.
1: I'm sorry, Ryan, I didn't mean to cut you off. But like that is that's, that's, that's the spirit of it. And Masako is like such a great representation of that. I've known Masako for years. And, you know, while we've never worked directly together, we formed this relationship. And if she sees something that she thinks I would like, she sends me a note. If I know somebody who should be getting in touch with her, I send her a note, you know. And in this particular case, she did actually run me down at a fashion show. <laughs> and it was like you got to meet, you got to meet Ryan. He's got some really interesting stuff going on, and and you know, I, I enjoyed meeting. Well, I mean, we don't, we haven't ever met in person, but enjoyed speaking on the phone. And then you know, we did have a plan to meet in person in Montreal. It just didn't happen because of COVID. Um, but that's 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 really a testament to it. You know, she's 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 one in a million. That Masako.
0: I agree 100%. And I think that she, you and her are true examples of what the community is, which is something that is very dear to me because I had to do women's wear as well. So, um, <laughs> but, <laughs> Thank you. but anyways, um, to, you know, to also continue, um, you know, you have this thing called the trench chronicles, you know, I think that's something that speaks a lot to you on your Instagram, but how, what, how did this idea come to fruition? And, you know, can you tell us more about it?
1: Oh yeah, the trench coat crown. It's funny, right? Because I, I I sort of was just doing what we all do when we go to appointments. And, you know, for your listeners, I'm sure most of them are in the industry, but you know, buyers and and fashion editors. Usually, what we do is after a fashion show, uh, you know, for either for editorial purposes or to put together our purchase orders, we go into the showroom and see everything that's available. Right, like not just we'll walk down the runway, and there's sometimes more commercial leaning pieces or what have you and we try it on you know we try to yeah. you know you gotta get a feel for what it how it looks on on a human body I, as much as i love the models that we use in in the showrooms and on the runways like not always the most realistic representation of the majority of the population right so you, you know you gotta you gotta try stuff on see how it feels for yourself uh, and coats are the easiest thing. And they happen to be my favorite thing to try on. And so I started taking snaps of it. And it was just one of those things that I did once or twice. And then, you know, people liked it. Bad old days of writing headlines. I was just, I called it the Trench Coat Chronicles. And then, you know, what I would do is if, you know, like, let's say I'm in the Prada showroom and I'm trying on a big red fake fur coat, you know, then I call <laughs> it the red Getty Coat Chronicles, you know, or, or whatever it is. And it's it's just it's just a fun thing, you know, I'm doing what everybody else would do if they were in my position. And it it, it speaks to what what the atmosphere in menswear is, which is much more relaxed than womenswear as you alluded to earlier, and also it's just a fun thing, you know. We're, we're we're here, we're all got we've all got big jobs, we've got a lot on the line, you know, we're making decisions that will have hundreds of thousands if not millions of dollars in consequence. Yeah. If you're not having fun, like what the hell are you doing? <laughs> and, so, and so you know i just try them on and it was just a funny little thing that i did once or twice and then i don't know a lot of people started coming up to me people that i've known for years people i've never met and just saying like oh yo trench chronicle so you know so i just keep doing it i mean it's it's harder to do now that i'm not visiting showrooms uh yeah in, in you know in, in sort of the the travel situation and you know health concerns that we have in the world right now but uh it will continue it will always continue as long as I can put a coat on my back.
0: Well, good. Well, I, hopefully this winter you can you know, put some other ones on, find
1: some other great titles to to share well, with that as well. I've got I've got the Plum Purple Puffer uh, Chronicle getting ready to go up one of these days from Canuck. That 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 one is uh, that one's that one's getting ready to go uh, one of these days real soon.
0: Oh, perfect. I, I like the name of it. And, you know, how how does it feel? The Does it feel puffy
1: when you yeah, touch oh, it's it? It's super puffy and very warm and very lightweight. And, you know, I, I actually, we're still only outdoor dining here in New York. You're allowed to eat indoors, but I'm not about that right now. Um, I think it's probably safer to stay outside. So I went out, went out on, uh, gosh, what, what was it? I guess it was Friday night for a little while to meet up with a couple of my fellows in Brooklyn. And it was cold and I had the puffer on. And I was good. Although and you're good. Had, yeah, I hadn't transitioned into wearing the appropriate socks. You know, my, my feet were cold, but the rest of me was, was 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 toasty. So that was good. That was good stuff.
0: That's what counts it. Um, but anyways, um, you know, since you mentioned, you know, you were going through to Mark and you still meet several new brands, you know, what are some of the brands throughout your career that spoke the most to you, that impressed you? And what were the reasons for that?
1: I mean... There's just so many. Right. And I've and I've really made it a point in my career to try to bring as much exposure as I can to smaller independent brands, you know, ones that are on the come up. But if you're asking me what my all time most favorite brand that I've been inspired by most consistently, it would have to be Dries Van Noten. Uh, And and I just and I just love him as a man. He is such a humble, um, intelligent, uh, tasteful person. And the clothing that he makes has so much personality, but within very rigid confines, right? So it's like you can tell that there's like that Antwerp kind of thing to his to his design process because he he repeats shapes and styles so often, but he brings in a completely different worldview into every collection that he does, whether it be the influence of, you know, Berber culture or, you know, impressionist painters or graffiti or Islamic uh, calligraphy or freehand jazz drawing. And, and, you know, over the years, he has just touched on so many things. But while remaining so remarkably consistent, I just think that that's so inspiring. And I also happen to love his clothes. I love to wear them. Um, that He's my he's my all time favorite. But, you know, I find inspiration everywhere. I go. Uh, I find inspiration at the outdoor store. I find inspiration at the army surplus store. I find inspiration in Japan. I find inspiration in in Detroit. I find inspiration inspiration yeah. anywhere I go. And and you know, Dries is number one, but there's plenty of brands that I could point to that are my that are like some of my all time favorites. I mean, Vizvim is one of my favorite brands. I love Ring Jacket, which is a Japanese tailored clothing brand. I love Husbands, which is a French tailored clothing brand. Um, the North Face purple label and the Nanamika guys who who designed that. I love um, the regular North Face. You know, I love yeah. Carhartt. I love. I, I just love so many different things, and, and it's really about. It's really about for me um, finding things that kind of complement each other and, and wearing them in a way that would be unexpected. You know, one of my favorite brands to wear is Etro, right? And most people yeah. think of Etro as a brand that makes nice pattern collared shirts let's call it a party shirt right like that's something that there probably is their best seller but keen etro's like attention to detail when he's making Intarja knits and you know these woven patterns that have hundreds of hundreds of colors in them it, it's just so incredible to me and you know i would never wear three pieces of Etro at one time but you know i had i bought like a coach's jacket from him with this crazy orange silk pattern on it and you know i wear that with camouflage pants now that's not how he would have put it down the runway ever you know <laughs> but for me that's 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 the way i wear it and you know there's a saying you can say that for a lot of different brands but you know consistent consistently speaking um from from a designer perspective it is it's dries van noden it's junior Watanabe, it is Vizvim, it is rei Kobo, yoji yamamoto is one of my favorites I mean, there's just too many to name.
0: When I think what you mentioned with all these brands is, you know, they all have an attention to detail and the craftsmanship. And I think that's oh, very important to brands because it's the longevity. If you have a craftsmanship, it's something that when you see that detail, it's going to last and be more timeless. And
1: And also just having your own language right? Like yeah. you can leave it up to the customer to decide how to wear something. There's 20% of customers who can figure out how to like put together their own outfits, right? You got to worry about how another 80% are going to do it. And that's, and that's fine. You know, you have really wonderful sales staff um, and great stylists that can help them out. But the ones who you really need to capture the imagination of are the ones that are going to put it on because they love it and they find their own ways to combine it. And, you know, might very well surprise you as a designer, but the way to attract those people is to have your, you know, house codes. I think it's probably the way that a lot of people would describe it, where you stand for something and where you have some amount of consistency in the language that you use to present yourself, right? And that comes through in the details. That comes through in the color choices. That comes through in the motifs that that reappear season after season. That comes through in the way the clothes are draped. That comes through in the colors chosen. And so, you know, when you have that, when you have that consistency, when someone can wear pieces from your collection that you've designed yesterday or 20 years ago and wear them together, then you've really hit on something incredible, right? And so, like that, really leaves it in, open to interpretation for that for that fashion forward set, and that's and that's really the customer that you want.
0: It's it, like you said, it's communicating with the language, and that's the DNA, um, and and doing that f- efficiently. I, I do want to. Talk about the ethos of my podcast, which is just rants and raves. Um, is there anything that you would like to rant about, or ra- you know, or rave about? You know, or both? For that being,
1: um, so rant, sure, I, I I could rant all day long about the current situation that we're in. Um, you know, the the fact that retail has been completely shut down, um, or you know, in various states of being shut down. For close to a year now, has had a hugely different, uh, detrimental effect on our industry, and I don't think anybody can deny that. Yeah. Um, but I see it sort of as a as a as a silver lining because it's really caused the conversation to shift in a direction that I've been ranting about for years, which is why the hell are we making so much stuff? Why are we making it just to discount it? Why are we filling landfills with it? Why are we polluting (laughs) streams with it? Why are we not paying people livable wages to produce it? And it's always been about this race to the bottom, not always, but for the last like 15 to 25 years, it's really been about this race to the bottom in terms of price competitiveness. And it has created an enormous amount of waste and an enormous amount of bullshit within the system that, you know, is really meant to create and make people happy and protect people and, you know, provide longevity and value to them. And it has, really, really veered off that course um, partially due to, to fast fashion partially due to, you know, rampant discounting and, you know, a very strange delivery schedule for uh, getting product into stores that doesn't really correlate to when people need to wear the clothes, you know, all these things together. But all of a sudden when everything had to shut down, then people started to say, well, wait a minute, this shit is crazy. (laughs) Like this is crazy. I remember just before lockdown, I was supposed to go to Europe three times for twenty four hours in two weeks. That's that's crazy because that was just the schedule that the brands that we were buying for moda operandi. Like that was just how they did it. They were like, "Well, you can just come and go on vacation for the days in between." What are you crazy? I'm not going on Mm -hmm. vacation. (laughs) <laughs> like I'm, I want to be at home. If I'm not on the road for consistent days, like why couldn't everyone work together to make sure that the pre market was running more efficiently? But like, not only from like the, the sake of my lower back and flying back and forth and having jet lag, but like just the enormous amount of waste on on three back and forth transatlantic. I mean, come on, you know. And, and since and since people have had to really slow down and really start to reevaluate. And, and all, the cus- all the consumer indicators, all the consumer surveys are saying that what is more important to consumers now is quality, is craftsmanship, is Definitely. longevity, is comfort. All these things that, you know, when I, when I had my own store in LA called Magazine, like that, those were the things that we were espousing. We were talking about craftsmanship, innovation, and rarity. Right. like Those are the three things that if you had two of them, we were definitely buying it for the store. If you had all three, you're in 100 percent, you know, yeah. but you had to have at least one to even be part of the conversation. And that was really important to us there. And it was about this idea of like building a wardrobe over uh, over a lifetime, you know, and having things that that, that should be there for a very, very long time in your life and, and, and making them all work together in a way that was, if not harmonious, then at least interesting. And so the fact that that's the conversation that the entire industry is now having, well, to me, that, 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 that's a silver lining.
0: And at least some change can happen. And I you see it now, more companies are trying to be certified B, meaning they have to ad- adhere to more sustainability practices. Um, but I like, I like what you said about magazon, you know, and you know, creating that you were looking for something that would be a foundation, you know, to someone's actual style. Because I think everyone needs that one foundation spe- piece that they could always
1: lean back towards and then keep for years to come. Well, you got to find yourself. You know, that's that's what fashion's for as far as I'm concerned. You know, people act as if it's a frivolous pursuit or it's, you know, uh, temporary or ephemeral. But, you know, the truth is, is that we don't have feathers. Uh, we don't have spots or fur coats Um to, that, that show who, who we are, right? Like humans, we'd have to decorate ourselves. That's 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 our form of communication, our visual form of communication and It's tattoos and clothes and hairstyles yep. and all of that. And so, you know, finding out who you are through trial and error, and then like having a personal sense of style, I think it's just extremely important to like becoming a fully realized human. And, right. and it should be a personal thing. And while there are different ways of, you know, there's different uniforms or different, you know, pieces of clothing or or modes of dress that, you know, make you affiliated with this political group or that social scene or whatever, like that becomes really part of you. But if, if you can take if you can take enough time and, and, and really work and it's not work, it's fun, you know, but like if you can if you if you work on it, you can come up with your own personal sense of style. People will look at you and say, like, that guy knows who he is. And I think that that's extremely important. I think that that is an extremely important function of clothing and of, and of uh, clothing in contemporary society. It's really important. It it makes you more attractive because it's full rounded. Like you said, and um, some people try and look uglier wearing clothes, and that's fine. That's,
0: <laughs> that's true. Fine. That's their choice.
1: Yes, yes. As long <laughs> as it's a conscientious to- choice, I'm, like, all for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> as long as you're purposefully trying to make yourself less attractive with the clothes you wear, then, I, then I'm all for it. Then I'm all for it. Because it speaks to who the,
0: who, what they want to share to mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I do want to talk about you know Montreal a bit or Quebec. I know you've only been to Montreal once, and I believe yeah. it was to see was it to see Jack Victor? Was it to see another? Oh. Okay, um, but is there anything you could say about Montreal? You know about some of the creators there. I don't know if you tried their bagels there, and, and I, I did read
1: bagels. You can't. I mean, come on, man. I'm I'm a Jew from Brooklyn. No yeah, that's I'm, true. That's I'm <laughs> not having a bagel when I come come up to Montreal. Uh, well, I, I I was there for a very short period of time, and I mean, it was like 72 hours and I wish I could have spent more time, but it was it was a trip to visit the Jack Victor uh, suit making factory uh, on a on a project that I was working on when I was the fashion director of Bloomingdale's. But what I did see, I loved and, you know, there was there's just such a there's such a wealth of architecture and of, you know, small winding streets and, and, and you know, beautiful buildings from multiple Multiple eras, you know, that are sort of sandwiched together, but in a harmonious way. That it's just a really, really attractive and beautiful city. I went there in the dead of winter, so I was freezing my ass. Oh wow! Yeah. Um, so I didn't really spend as much time walking around as I would have would have liked. Um, but I I do I do anticipate a time soon when I'll be able to come back and spend more time, and I and I'm looking forward to it and really going to enjoy it. But in terms of in terms of people, I mean, you know, uh, Justin and. And JJJ Jound, I, I think he's really his yeah. design studio is just doing some really, really, really refreshing stuff. You know, it's not overdone, it's not overwrought. It's really sort of like minimal clothing, but it's just it's just perfect and really cool. And and you know, I've been a I've been a big fan of everything that he's done. And while I while I don't know him very well, uh, we have worked with a lot of the same people, and I've got I got enormous amount of respect for him. Um, I also really like, from a messaging standpoint, Life Outlook. I really like Isaac LaRose and and his Eden Power Corps. Yeah. They're doing some really, really cool stuff. Um, I've known Isaac since he had his own hat brand uh, a few years back. We met in Paris, I believe, the first time. You know the guys doing Dime? That's cool. You know, talk about community that you were talking about earlier, Ryan. Like, that's really really impressive to see the community they've been able to build up around themselves, uh, not just in, not just in Canada and not just in uh, Quebec, but in, 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 in the world in general, you know, Japan, New York, London, uh, you know, I always like to see those stories that, that always like warms my heart that people get behind something authentic. You know what I mean?
0: But on that, you know, um, je te remercie, you know, parce que je sais que tu parles français. So thank you again. Mon uh, plaisir. Et puis, uh, also, we'll chat soon. So yes, thanks that's again, a- Josh. A- a- I hope so. Merci d'avoir écouté Ryan's Rants and Raves. Suivez-nous sur Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. Thank you for listening to Ryan's Rants and Raves. Follow us on Instagram at Ryan's Rants and Raves. À très bientôt.